Hey everyone, it's just me, Chris. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know that the new website is now live, so if you want to check it out, you're more than welcome to. I'll put it in the show notes. I've collected the interviews onto one page, the Van Life episodes onto one page, all the podcasts get an entry up there too, and I'm looking for guest writers who will do a once-a-month entry and chat about somewhere that they've been to as well. Also, we are now on Patreon, so if you want to support the podcast in that way, you're more than welcome to. I've made sure that the first tier is just the price of a cup of, a cup of coffee each month, and the other tiers have some more benefits as well, so check it out if you'd like to. But thank you very much for listening, and let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to Between the Mountains podcast with me, Chris. And today we have Travis on the show. He's talking to us about his nice and quick road trip just before the 2020 pandemic uh, kicked in. Um, but he's talking to us about his road trip. We're talking about Newcastle, Australia, Blue Mountains National Park and Uluru with a slight touch on Darwin and a quick saving of a numray too. But be sure to listen, let me know what you think. And if you'd like to come on the show, email me on btmtravelpod at gmail.com. Hello, Travis. Thank you so much for coming on the Between the Mountains podcast. How are you doing today? Really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. I think we're going to talk today about uh, quite a popular, but rightfully so, country being Australia. Um, how, how not only has it been for you, but how is it being for you? Oh, I, I absolutely love Australia. I had the fortune of actually being born here. Uh, but I was pretty young by the time um, my family moved away. Um, but I've always had a, a real strong connection, especially with the, the sun and the surf. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, it's quite a connection. You see a lot of Australians who like to travel. They they really enjoy those elements. <laughs> and, um, I was interviewing a guy called John Gupta, and he he broke the Seven Summit World Records with, uh, well, he facilitated Steve Plain doing it. And he said, in true Aussie manner, he was trying to wear shorts as much as he could. And they're going up the tallest mountains on earth. <laughs> and he's trying to, he like, where, wherever he can, he's trying to wear shorts. Obviously not quite on the summits, but he was joking about that. So, <laughs> Just an Aussie, yep. <laughs> yep. Just a typical Aussie. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about your most recent um, sort of road tripping around Australia trip. So Absolutely. how was the whole thing for you? Uh, it yeah, it was it was overall really well. Perfect. So let's go through why you were there, how you went about doing it, and and then we'll jump into the itinerary. Sure. Um, well, the reason I decided to come back to Australia, um, I suffered actually quite a bit of loss uh, this last year. Um, <clears throat> uh, six months ago, I, I lost my mother to stage four cancer. Um, and uh, my partner and I had, uh, decided to break up. Um, I had left my job and our uh, shared dog also passed. So it was quite a lot of loss within that year. Um, and I kind of felt that I needed a change of season and change of scenery uh, to kind of pull myself out of a depression that was, was starting to form. And so, um, yeah, I, I realized Australia was kind of the, the number one go-to for me for that because I still have community here and I've just always resonated really strongly with the ocean for sure yeah so we've escaped to australia and um and what a place to go to i think it's uh it's a 
it's not a bad escape spot. And like you said, you were born there, so you've got dual nationality there. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a it's a little easier for me to come and go. Perfect. So you decided to take on the road trip. How did you go about doing it? Did did you have a friend that you messaged and met up with and organized with, or did you go solo and meet people on the way? Um, kind of a mix of the two, in all honesty. Um, it was on a layover in Hawaii. Uh, I was there for about a week that I. I met a couple of different backpackers and travelers, uh, one of which was a fellow Canadian. Um, and we ended up on the, the same flight down to Australia before he did a, a leg off to New Zealand. Um, but he ended up back in Australia about a week or so later. And he had rented a van and was excited to go explore Australia. And I decided to jump along with him. So it was it was all pretty last minute, but um, I, I picked up a, a used camera on the Gumtree, which is kind of like the used Victoria or Craigslist of Australia, um, knowing that he was quite into photography as well. Uh, and then we just set off from there. I know that the Gumtree is quite a popular place. Uh, my friend who did 10 months uh, in a camper van in Australia, he said, I'm pretty sure he said it's Gumtree where he went to get the kit he needed, including the van people at Easter there's a lot of backpackers who are leaving the country and don't want to take things with them uh that that they put it up on that list if that's right yeah i mean yeah there's backpackers but then there's also locals it's kind of just the best way to um get rid of stuff that you no longer need and also be able to find some pretty good deals too for sure so where was the first stop on the road trip then where did you go first and what do we do there um, well, our very first night was um, just up in Avalon, and so we're based out of Sydney to begin with, um, and Avalon is along the northern beaches, only an hour or so up from um, Manly Beach, where we literally got in the van together. Yeah. Um, and so the first night, we kind of just camped out. Uh, it's definitely a, a lot nicer camper van than I've slept in in, in previous trips. Um, had the full pull-down bed and a fridge, and uh, he had a little camper stove and everything else lined up. So, yeah, we had a, a couple ciders and, and got to watch the stars for the night. Um, and then the next morning, we woke up uh, to a brilliant sunrise and, and got to hike up to the lighthouse in Avalon, uh, which was really special. Um, is that quite a massive cliff that that's sitting on, or, or is it just like a long hike? Uh, yeah, it's it's... It's a bit of a cliff there. Um, it's a it's a nice hike up, and you get a really great vantage point of uh, Lion Lionhead Island, I believe it's called, and um, this big double bay that Palm Beach is a part of. Um, and yeah, from there we we started making our way up the coast uh, with the destination of Newcastle as our goal. And that's not Newcastle in the UK for anyone listening. <laughs> I think most people would be glad to know. <laughs> so so yeah up to going up to newcastle then so anything significant on the journey up there um on the actual road of nothing of, of great significance uh we got to newcastle and it was kind of a cloudy uh nothing sort of day um we checked out the beaches but it wasn't really what you'd say a, a beach sort of day so we actually ended up spending part of the day in the van just reading our own books and, and listening to podcasts as well. Um, and it was later that afternoon that we uh, made our way to Morpeth, which is about 45 minutes uh, inland from Newcastle. And that's where Noah, my bandmate, um, 
he had some close connections. He had done a international exchange uh, rotary for one of his uh, um, high school years. So he had a, an Aussie guy that he had been in Finland with that we decided to connect with. Awesome. That's kind of cool. Uh, it's it's always nice when you get that sense of excitement from connecting with loads of different people and people joining on the route. And yeah, I, I, I'm all the time hearing from friends backpacking who, who go, yeah, then we met this person, then we did this and we did that. <laughs> yeah, it's really great, especially when you have kind of people sprinkled around that local knowledge if, if they're established within the country that you're traveling in, because uh, then they can kind of take you to some of those uh, lesser known spots or, or the ones that the people really hold dear. For sure. And in regards to Newcastle, what kind of things are we doing there? Um, so uh, it was kind of in and around Newcastle that we were, we were going through. Um, we made it to the Mile Lakes National Park. Um, and the, the fellow there had a, uh, I guess you'd say like a summer house or a cottage uh, in the Hawks Nest region. And it was just really, really beautiful um, nature and wildlife kind of rolling through there. Um, and it's, it's, you've got lakes as well as the ocean, uh, beaches. And yeah, it was, it was just really special. I was going to say, is it, from the sounds of things, this national park, I haven't heard of it, but is it more for nature, forestry, lakes? Than, than hikes and, and barren sort of desert trees? Um, I'd assume it's probably uh, more lakes and, and uh, hikes and such, but we, we really only touched the tip of it uh, one day um, before turning around because it, it was a couple hours out, out of the way. But um, yeah, it was perfect. So after that national park, where, where to next? Um, so we, we spent a, a couple days uh, in Morpeth and uh, it was really... It was really helpful in a lot of ways because Noah was quite into and still is into fitness and photography. And these were two passions that I, I really wanted to dive into myself. Um, and so we were kind of doing uh, morning jogs uh, as well as I was learning more and more with these, these camera that I just picked up. And uh, wildlife photography was kind of my focus. And so I'd go out uh, in the evenings or in the mornings and, and just start snapping all the, the birds and, and wildlife that was around, even in the local parks. For sure. What's one thing that you kind of, one big tip that you could maybe pass on to other people as far as wildlife photography goes? Oh, certainly. Um, I'm a huge advocate of the iNaturalist app. And it's a citizen science app that basically allows you to identify almost anything from nature, whether it's a a plant, an animal, mushrooms. Um, you basically take a photo and then it'll almost in real time tell you what you've seen through its geolocation as well as its massive database that people are continuing to add on to. Um, and so getting to know what it is you're taking a photo of, I think is incredibly powerful and, and useful. For sure. And that's actually quite quite handy. I, I was I like the way you answered that because I, I thought you'd go, oh, yeah, go, go into, you know, change the F to this and then put the ISO at that and get this sort of lens. <laughs> but to actually go back to what is a basic that maybe some people miss out, because if you're doing wildlife photography, of course, you want to know what you're looking at. That's fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty neat, too, because the photos that you upload, uh, they go to that citizen science community and, and others will either agree or disagree in, in the identification of it. and. Once, yeah, once it's strong enough, uh, I think it's two thirds of the people are agreeing on it. 
uh, it then goes science grade. And so then researchers can use this information to uh, understand the distribution and, and diversity of species across the world. That's such a cool app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I promote it so much. People ask me if I work for them. <laughs> so is there anything else we're doing in Newcastle at all? Um, not a lot. We had a, maybe a, a night out on the, the pubs. Bought some overly expensive drinks. <laughs> Are there any that you rec particularly recommend if anyone's that way? I I couldn't recall to be honest. <laughs> they're all they're just they're all worth taking a visit for. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not in the one night. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So from Newcastle, where are we going next? Uh, so Newcastle, we ended up doubling back a bit, and we came back further south, but also inland towards the Blue Mountains National Park, which is. Yeah, absolutely must must go to if you're in Australia. It's just incredible. For sure. And and what what <laughs> it might sound like an obvious question. <laughs> what sort of things are we gonna be seeing at the, the Blue Mountains National Park? Uh so it's just uh rife with uh with forest and these huge cliff bases, um, and there's all these lookouts that you get to to go out onto. Uh, and you can also climb right down. They've got these massive stairs uh, that you can climb down to get into the valleys um, and it's just you're just literally surrounded by nature which is something that I've always been very drawn to um, and it was also quite interesting too because as we were going through one of the sections uh, on the way to the Blue Mountains we could see the aftermath of the those large uh, wildfires that the that Australia had this this last fire season and so not only did you have all these stands of trees that were completely blackened, uh, we'd gotten there at a time where the regrowth had started. So you'd have all these black stems, all these black trunks, but you'd have these super vibrant green uh, explosions of, of new life springing out of them. So it, it was really quite spectacular. Yeah, that must have been quite a color contrast. Although, Although some may say too soon, I'm thinking it's also a photographer's dream to capture that that sort of contrast between almost kind of a visual contrast of life and death there. Yeah, very well said. Um, I kind of wish I had some of the skills that I had now <laughs> when we had first gone through because uh, <laughs> I was still learning at that point. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I think Noah got some nice shots of that one. And yeah, you're, you're quite right. The contrast is, is certainly there. I'm looking at photos, photos of, of it now and it really is, you can understand I guess with the forest fires how it got so bad because unless I'm looking at a vertical cliff face, everywhere is covered in tree in the photos I'm looking at. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's really breathtaking. And did you get up into up to, again, <laughs> did you get up to any <laughs> activities in the Blue Mountains at all? <laughs> um, yeah, mostly hiking. Uh, yeah, we did a couple different hikes through there. Um, what was kind of neat was when we, we stopped in Blackheath, um, we ended up camping out there for the night. And it was a little uh, place called Gubbit's Leap. And it's just this beautiful uh, like panoramic scene where you, you're looking right down into this valley. Uh, and we were literally able to pull up the camper van right to the edge uh, before the sidewalk and the, the barrier. Um, and then we got to wake up the next morning to sunrise over this valley and, and watching the clouds kind of 
uh, dripping away and, and, and receding with the, the sunlight coming up. And yeah, that was, that was really, really special spot. Wow. That's fantastic. Is it well worth uh, the hike as well? Because I'm a big fan of hikes that are really hard and it's so rewarding when you get to the end. Or, or are we talking more of a pleasant walk through through forestry? They Honestly, they have a bit of both, really. They've got uh, ones that are very uh, user-friendly uh, of kind of all abilities. Uh, they can walk along the, the top tracks, but then they also have these huge loops and quite a network. You could quite literally get lost in there for days if you, if you wanted to. So definitely for all skill levels, I think. Perfect. For, for those with and without bad knees. <laughs> yeah although i have bad knees um on the descent of hikes mine flare up uh but i just i just take it slower and just just ignore it and then and then when i go to book another hike i just i just on purpose forget about my knees and i'm like yeah i'll do that <laughs> and hopefully that doesn't honestly happen. i think i think i'm in a similar boat but i, I found some uh, uh what are they memory foam um uh flip-flops that seem to actually help out quite a lot so Maybe invest in some yeah. <laughs> And actually, I I got some hiking poles, and I used to see them. I think because I grew up watching sort of um, elderly people walking along flat surfaces using their poles, and I always thought they were a bit useless. And then I went to Norway, and one of the guides showed me how to use it. And the idea is you're using your yeah, your interior delt, uh, your your you know the front of your shoulder and your triceps to basically put some of the weight onto the poles so that when you're walking down or up the the weight is being transferred kind of through your upper body and the poles rather than straight through your knees and through your legs the whole time uh and when i hiked scarfell pike and that was my first hike i did with the poles i had scarfell pike in england and i got up there in 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 good time we didn't use the poles on the way back down my knees were killing and the moment I started using the poles, it was, you know, they still hurt a bit, but it was, it was like heaven. It was like I was floating down. <laughs> and obviously it's still an impact, but it, yeah. So just on that random tip there, memory foam shoes and par and hiking poles <laughs> for your knees. <laughs> so are we doing anything else in Blue Mountains National Park before we, before we move on? Uh, no, we, yeah, we were kind of only there for I think two nights. Perfect. Two sweet, beautiful nights. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and from there, where do we go next? Uh, from there, we kind of put the pedal to the metal, I guess, if you will. We we had the goal of getting to Uluru, which is the middle of Australia. Um, and so uh, next several days were just really long uh, driving days. And uh, Noah, my travel buddy, he he's from Ontario, Canada, and I think it's something about that area of Canada uh, where they just breed long distance drivers because he could just go for hours and hours and hours and then he'd swap over for me. I'd maybe do an hour or two and then he'd jump back on again. And yeah, he was, he was tilt proof on that, which was <laughs> really handy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, sometimes you just need to do that on road trips, don't you? You just need to, instead of filling out all the spaces along the way, you just need to get somewhere. Um, yes, yeah. not quite Australia, but the longest drive I've done in one go was 11 hours from Amsterdam in the Netherlands to Kolding in Denmark. Uh, and we, we only stopped for fuel and toilet. We ate while moving. So it was almost a, a straight continuous 11 hours. So <laughs> yeah, right. 
But getting to Uluru, um, I think first of all, what uh, what will be on a lot of people's minds um, is the the controversy and the I think the right new law that's come into place there. So just just to quickly get that one out of the way for our listeners, did you climb Uluru? No, no, I respectfully did not climb Uluru Wonderful. because uh, they have actually closed that uh, availability down. I was I was in the same area a couple of years back, maybe in 2015 or 2016, uh, where they had a guest book and you could respectfully sign saying that you wouldn't be climbing over the uh, the rock because it is a really important indigenous. Uh, yeah, I- I'm not religious, but I saw a really really good analogy that said, um, imagine if you had your church or your mosque and people kept trying to climb on it and walk all over it. And it's like, that's what it is to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've used a similar analogy myself um, for those that are uh, within Canada and we are very connected with the totem poles, at least our, our First Nations people are. And it'd be similar for somebody to be rock climbing one of those. And it just, yeah, yeah. it doesn't, right. It, just, it doesn't show that respect that it's, clearly deserved precisely yeah so it's, it's absolutely absolutely the right thing to to not do it but getting to uluru was that the first time you went uh it, this was actually the second time i went i had been there once before back in 2015 uh, with an ex-partner of mine um and yeah for anybody interested in going uh some tips on that definitely going in the winter time seems a lot better um i went the winter time with my ex and it was slightly cooler, um, but the real change in, in issue was the bugs. The bugs were relatively manageable for us in the winter time, but this particular trip, we were absolutely swarmed, and it doesn't take long for it to become absolutely infuriating. Um, there's some people that are smarter, and, and they've got the, the bug nets or the, uh, the bug hats to, to keep some of their sanity, but uh, we were just in for a, a quick day, and yeah, I, I gotta say it was it was almost torture. <laughs> really? Were yeah. you wearing insect repellent out of interest? Because I know some places that belly does a thing. Yeah, no, we, we didn't have insect repellents either. Um that possibly could have helped. Um but yeah, the heat too, because we were coming in through pretty much the end of summer on this trip and I think we hit maybe thirty thirty seven degrees. Uh, at one point during the day and yeah it's 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 very hot um the first time we had i had gone uh me and my partner we had walked all the way around it there's a track where you can walk all the way around and still get to see all the different sides of of this really impressive rock and i think it was like a 11k walk that we did that time but this time we came in and we literally drove up walked into a little section and then walked and pretty much and back to the car to avoid the bugs. But uh, getting to Uluru, what's your first impressions as you arrive? Because it's quite a m- pretty magnificent view anyway, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's actually quite a, there's a couple different rock formations that almost trip you up and you're like, ooh, that might be it. Um, <laughs> but then you realize, <laughs> no, not quite. And then it just gets more and more impressive. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, you, you have some of that orange kind of sand and you have these melons on the ground that look like little watermelons. Um, and um, unfortunately, like, I guess one thing that is a bit disturbing is, is the amount of roadkill you see. Um, you do just come across a lot of roadkill uh, along some of these highways. Um, and 
it's slightly understandable with the sort of traffic that you see coming through. They have what's known as road trains, which are these huge transport trucks that have two, if not three, uh, huge trailers that they're carrying whatever goods they have in them. Um, and I, I believe they go um, up and down uh, throughout Australia. Um, and to stop one of these things would be extremely difficult. You need quite a run up. So if any sort of wildlife came in their way, I, I can see how it would be. Um, it'd be difficult for them, the driver, to avoid or, or get out of the way of. And so, yeah, that, that is something you do notice quite a lot of. But otherwise, pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for sure. So we've been to Uluru and we've checked that out. Is there anything else we need to know about the area before before the next leg of the journey? Um, well, on the previous trip that I'd done, we continued up all the way through to Darwin. And there's some serious highlights along that route. Um, there's the King's Canyon, which is another set of rock formations that you can climb up and hike all the way through. And it's, yeah, you really just get these red rock and really spectacular viewpoints. Um, and then a little further further north, you get to uh, the, the hot springs and the Mataranka hot springs was one that I, I highly recommend because it was 32 degree water, crystal clear, and it was running. Uh, so you could jump in at the top and do a lazy river and float through seeing freshwater turtles and, and some fish and, and then pop out and then just walk out and do the loop again. And so I... I would really recommend that one if anyone's going that distance. So after Uluru and uh, if we're, we're blending space and time, uh, Darwin as well, <laughs> Where's uh, what, what was next on the trip? Uh, so uh, after Uluru, we, we actually had to turn around and, and kind of backtrack uh, to where we had started. And that was because of the, um, the, the current at time of recording. We're in a, a bit of a coronavirus pandemic, but yeah, yeah, they they were starting to close down the international or sorry the interstate borders, um, and so yeah, we uh, would have been somewhat stranded if we had uh, continued doing where the trajectory that we were aiming for, and so we decided to make our way back to places of home base. So Noah wanted to go to the Newcastle area where his friends are, and uh, I've got friends and family in the Sydney region. So this is back to where I came to. Yeah. And that kind of wraps up the road trip, or at least for now, maybe uh, <laughs> when all this is blown over. Um, if you carry on, then we could get you on for a part two of the road trip or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, but uh, before we get to some wrap up questions about your time in Australia, is there, um, is there anything else we need to know about it at all? Hmm. Anything else to know about Australia? Um, yeah, I, I guess there's there's just so much to see, and there is quite a lot of diversity. I, I think the the regular uh, tourist trail, if you will, would be up along the east coast, but um, there is some really incredible gems that are, are worth going to uh, if you've got the the time and the fortitude to to drive a couple extra hours inland and and yeah go go off the trail and, and see some of those other sites because i think it's it'll definitely round out your trip quite a lot for sure for sure so i wanted to we, we kind of touched on it in a couple of different moments but one of the questions i wanted to ask was as far as this region of australia goes how did it compare 
to the last time you were there was was were there any differences at all as far as as far as being a tourist well i guess just part of the current climate uh with with the um influx of corona uh there was actually a lot less tourists around uh in some of the places that we went to so when we were in the blue mountains rather than having uh completely packed with with tour groups and and people lining the stairs or or the lookouts, we had a lot of the places to ourselves, which was yeah, actually kind of a nice little bonus for us. Um, uh, Uluru as well, uh, they let us in for free. Uh, normally you pay a, a admission, which obviously I'm happy to do to help support the national park systems, but um, with their recognizing that they were going to be closing down, they yeah waived those fees. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, I, I guess it certainly was quite a, a different environment. Now, you're spending a lot of time in the car, uh, driving from place to place. And you mentioned podcasts earlier. So if that's what you listen to, I will let you answer with podcasts. But what are three non-negotiable songs to have on during during those road trips? Three non-negotiable songs. Ooh, that's a good one. So I'm actually not a fan of country music. And that was one that uh, Noah and I didn't see eye to eye on. But he... <laughs> He was convinced, and he actually he did convert me slightly. There's one song, uh, "Chicken Fried." Um, I, I'm actually forgetting who the artist is, but <laughs> it sounds yeah, like you're making he, up the title. <laughs> of the country it, it song. Kind of, <laughs> it kind of does a bit, but yeah, no, I was I was belting it out by the end of the trip, and actually ap- actively seeking it out sometimes. So <laughs> I think he he might have won me over on that one. <laughs> cool. So we so we've got one there. Um, and then uh, one to go off of the podcast. Uh, he also introduced me to uh, Rick, Rich Roll, Rick Roll, um, and that was really fascinating because he he just has a really interesting story. But some of the podcasts that really came out, in particular for me during this trip, was uh, one all about intermittent fasting uh, because that's actually a practice that I adopted while on this this road trip. Uh, reducing pretty much pushing my breakfast back to about noon um, and yeah it was it was a podcast that was really focused on fitness and, and what you can do with your body um, and that was yeah that was quite informative as well as a, a creativity podcast that he had done with the I believe it was the original inventor of Instagram uh, it came by a different name beforehand but yeah he really painted the picture of what creativity can mean and um, how you can really incorporate creativity to any aspect of life. And, and when you do it, it really broadens your perspective and, and makes things that much richer. Do you know what the names of those were off the top of your head? Um, off the top of my head, no, but I'd be happy to, to double If you message them through after, I'll put them in the show notes when, uh, when, uh, when I upload the episode. Absolutely. Cool. Perfect. Um, and then I wanted to ask you one moment that you'd like to relive on the trip. One moment to relive on the trip. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't necessarily on the road trip itself, but more recently, while I've been based back here in Sydney, um, I, I came across a, a ray. Uh, I was paddleboarding through this marina, and I came across this ray, and it was floating upside down. Um, and I came over to it because I knew something wasn't quite right the way it was floating upside down. And uh, it turned out it, it had 
this huge bulge inside of it. And it was, it was unable to sink down below the surface. Um, and because of that, uh, I knew we had to do something. So I, I ended up cobbling together some different uh, water recreators, uh, some other paddleboarders to make some phone calls, um, to try and do what we could to rescue the, the animal. Um, and it turned out to be a, a full day affair, really, but um, without <laughs> going into a full half hour discussion of it, uh, we, we got in touch with the Taronga Zoo and um, uh, they said that they would be able to uh, give it the attention it needed if we were able to recover it. And so myself and a couple other paddleboarders, we uh, ended up coaxing it towards the shore with uh, some paddles, um, at which point I was, I was trying to scoop it up with a, a, a rubber tote that I had, but um, it, was, it actually sent me a huge electrical shock because uh, it's a numray. Uh, it's a type of ray that has electrical charge to it. Um, quite a shock, quite literally, it, it convulsed my whole calf muscle. Um, and it, yeah, I, I managed to reposition and then eventually get it into the tote, uh, at which point the zoo came down and they took it off our hands and were able to take it back and do surgery on the ray. Uh, they removed a, a massive rotting fish uh, that was kind of stuck inside it, which was the reason why it was unable to swim below the water. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that whole experience was, was quite, yeah, it was quite monumental in a lot of ways. Um, but I guess I, I would have liked to relive it in the sense that I, I wish I was there a little sooner. I wish I had a phone on me and was able to make that phone call uh, more directly and, and have gotten things going a little quicker because uh, unfortunately, a couple of days after uh, the Ray went through the surgery, it, it did pass away uh, due to suspected um, infection in the intestines and so yeah i do myself that little bit that maybe if i was on it a little bit earlier it could have been a different story no i i think you did everything you could that's an incredible story though yeah that's incredible and what a moment to relive as well i mean obviously you don't want that to happen but that 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 sense of accomplishment and people coming together to save to save um wildlife is quite uh it, it's gonna happen anyway so why not be able to relive it and help again so yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, listen, Travis, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I hope you enjoyed that. I really liked listening to his road trip, touching upon culture, touching upon nature. Blue Mountains National Park seems incredible. That's definitely on my list for hopefully when I go next year. If you want to join in with the community, follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's at BTM Travel Pod. You can email with any questions, queries, or if you want to come on the show, btmtravelpod at gmail.com. Consider subscribing and following if you enjoyed it so that you don't miss another episode. Tell your friends if you'd like, that's how we'll grow. But otherwise, I really hope you have a great day and I'll see you in the next episode.